0: would apply for these things that I felt like maybe I'm not qualified for, but why not me? Why wouldn't they pick me? I have a great, great brand. I have a great story. It has a lot of
1: meaningful impact. Welcome back to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. Chase is celebrating small business owners this May. So today I'm talking with Dr. Rona Kmetta, the founder and CEO of NerdBugs. The company makes a line of plush toys in the shape of human organs, which are intended to inform and educate children in science and healthy lifestyles. In addition to running her business, Ronick is also a practicing physician and clinical assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin. I hope you enjoy my conversation with this bold and busy founder. Ronick, it's so nice to have you here on our Women on the Move podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm like really excited and jazzed to be here.
1: So we have a lot to talk about since you have a multifaceted career, but I'd love to start with where it began for you. So you're a family physician, in addition to being a clinical assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. So we'd love to first start there with your medical career. When did you first know you wanted to be a doctor and what inspired you to go down that path?
0: You know, I think I had that very traditional line of thinking when I was growing up. We had immigrated here from India when I was about five. And when I first started, you know, in elementary school, I was just always drawn to like the health sciences. And so from an early age, I I almost automatically knew that, you know, I wanted to do, do something in health sciences and be in a... I guess a career or something were really intrinsically rewarding, like medicine. There was a time, like as I was growing up, this was something that was just really solidified in me. And when I was about, I think it was about 16 years old, my dad was, he's okay now. So I'm just going to preface it. He was actually in, um, he was the victim of like gun violence. And so it was at that time, you know, like he was hospitalized for about a month, month and a half, um, in the ICU. And that that period of my life I, I really questioned like if this was something that I actually wanted to pursue, right? You know, on the flip side of things, it was at that time where I'm like could I really be responsible for someone's parent who, or, or loved ones who's in the hospital um, and having these tough conversations with them and, and, and just being surrounded with that constant like uncertainty of loss of life? Um, and so it was around that time that I sort of felt like, I really don't know if I want to pursue that. That is like a lot of responsibility. And even though you're going to have those challenges and you have to face these difficulties, whether it's difficult conversations with patients and, you know, really testing yourself to see if you can really handle um, that kind of environment day in and day out, I sort of came to realize that there's such a unique opportunity to make such a positive impact on someone's life.
1: That's an unbelievable process of self-discovery. And especially starting at a young age. I mean, I'm certainly I'm happy to hear your father made it through that time. And so tell us about your practice. Who do you treat in your current job?
0: Yeah, so um, as you sort of mentioned, I practice family medicine um at the University of Wisconsin. Um, with family medicine, it's really me um because you get to see patients of like all different ages. Um And so anyone from like newborns to the geriatric population and then, you know, there there's OB as well, you know, so delivering babies and that sort of thing. I actually haven't delivered babies since um, since residency, Um, but I I still love treating, you know, like women's health and and seeing the whole spectrum of things. You know, you see acute conditions, chronic conditions. And um, I feel like because of that, no two days are the same.
1: How has a pandemic then affected your practice and the way you're seeing patients in the office?
0: So since the pandemic, uh, the university and institutions across the country and world have sort of adopted more of this telemedicine practice into into what we're doing, which is, I think, really wonderful because I think it gives a lot of flexibility to physicians and clinicians, as well as patients. You know, sometimes it's nice to be able to have a conversation with patients over the phone or even on video to explain to them their results without having them come Come in for a visit, especially when you live in places like Wisconsin where, where there's um, patients that come from all over and, and, and they might have to drive several hours just for like a 20 minute appointment. I think it's been great to have that telemedicine access to the patients.
1: Yeah, that is wonderful. It's certainly something I've made use of myself with my family this past year. Do you think that will continue after the
0: pandemic and do you see anything else that we will still hold on to after the pandemic? I think it will absolutely continue after the pandemic. I really do think integrating telemedicine is going to be the wave of the future. I think patients like it, you know, and I think clinicians also like the fact that they have a little bit more flexibility with communicating with their patients. Patients. Um, but, you know, there are obviously times and instances where that in person visit is just absolutely necessary. And, and I don't think that telemedicine will replace that, but I think it's a nice extension of medicine.
1: Ronak, let's switch gears into your second career, your career as an entrepreneur, which I just love, and your company, Nerdbugs. So let's just first talk about what are Nerdbugs and where can people find them?
0: So, Nerdbugs is this obnoxiously adorable line of plush toys that are in the shape of human organs uh, that I created to help educate and inspire kids and adults to kind of learn more about the human body and different types of medical illnesses and conditions. And you could find us at nerdbugs.com or on social media. We're at instagram.com backslash the nerdbugs.
1: So I will say having seen them they are so cute and I was online looking at them for my daughter. You know it's been a very challenging year and I wanted to do something brain related, you know, thinking and emotions and stuff like that. So I love both the brain and the neuron, so I'm gonna have to figure out which one to go with. Do you have any suggestions?
0: You know, I personally like the Neuron a little bit better. It's just so cute and small and unique. And yeah, I just love it. You could take it with you anywhere. So I read that you were thinking about
1: the idea for nerve Bugs for 10 years before you started the company. And so tell us about what was preventing you from starting it during that time. And then how did you just finally make the leap to do it?
0: Yeah. So if I'm being completely honest, I think the biggest obstacle that I had during those like ten years was this narrative that I had sort of had ingrained in me and that I carried along for just so long. you know, I, I sort of told myself like I have this formal career in health sciences and in medicine, and I have no formal education in business in and, and I have no idea where to start and who am I to try to like, figure this out. And that really held me back for a very long time. I had at one point, you know, the idea for bugs came to me in a few different ways, but I was still in medical school at the time. And one of the things that I sort of noticed while I was like on the inpatient side, rounding on patients, or even on the clinical side was that, you know, how neat would it be if we had these like plush toys that could not only be used to like educate people about like hey you know you have asthma this is what your lungs actually look like this is you know how asthma works to kids and adults and the second thing was like it would be a really neat get well gift for someone that was like hospitalized post-surgery or was like undergoing dialysis or chemotherapy or something like that something that was a little bit quirky and unconventional Part of my idea came around that time and I had written this children's book about the human body, which was like just a side project that I did just to spark my creative juices. And it was like fun and cute and rhyming. And I put it out there. Nothing really happened with it. But at the same time, it's sort of like reinforced, like, mm, can I really do this? And so that's why I think for so many years, I, I didn't do anything with it.
1: It's amazing to me that you're already in such an intense job and life as a doctor and certainly uh, as a resident before practice. And so when you finally did launch it, how did you think you got over those feelings of, you know, I'm not a business person, I don't have the training, but you just said, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to try this.
0: I don't know what exactly like that aha moment was that sort of led me to have like the, the courage to pursue it. but. What I do remember was this was not that long ago in January of 2018, I was um, sitting on the couch with my boyfriend, now my husband. It was it was so funny because I was like so scared that I was like car- carrying the secret along that, you know, like deep down inside that I had carried for years. Like it would be really cool to take that children's book that I had written years ago that was like fun and cheesy, and and I told him I think that could try to figure out a way to take those characters from the book and create these little plush toys that could be used to help teach anatomy um, and and teach people about different types of medical conditions. Um, And I sort of explained to him like what my hope and dream was for this. And I don't know what it was about that moment, but he just had this like, Unconditional and complete support of the idea, and totally can encourage me to to pursue it. And I think that was the spark that spark of support that he gave me in that moment. I think really ignited a lot of confidence in myself.
1: So tell us about what it was like to start a toy business from scratch. You know, how did you actually sit down and break down the steps you needed to take in a way that didn't feel so overwhelming?
0: Yeah. I think it's incredibly like exciting and riveting and really scary, but like the good kind of scary. Each day you put a little bit of effort into it to get you one step closer to like what the vision of what you would like it to be. And as far as, you know, steps to get it off the ground, I focused a lot. This may sound kind of strange, but I focused a lot on personal development work. You know, I had a lot of this internal dialogue, as I mentioned, which held me back for a very long time. So what I knew that I would have to do at that time was really bombard myself with like books and podcasts and audiobooks, YouTube videos of like how to build up my confidence, but also at the same time, also really learn about like, what how where do you start from nothing to launch an e-commerce business. Oftentimes it felt like I was like eating, sleeping (laughs) and breathing this when I wasn't, you know, at work early in the morning and and late at night. As far as actually getting the products off the ground, I think one of the things that really helped me was the fact that I had the drawings from from many years ago. And I sort of had a vision of like what I wanted it to look like. And so I thought that that was probably the hardest part was like knowing this is what I want it to look like. So once that was done, I sort of figured out, okay, well, what would I need to do to make this happen? Well, first I would have to find custom toy manufacturer to make this for me and then do some prototypes and kind of go from there. After a few months, I was able to narrow it down to one that I worked really well with. And then while the prototypes were being made, I tried to do a lot of the back end work because that takes some time. I think that was my general path of kind of getting the whole vision initially launched.
1: So that was so important to start you down the path. I love the fact that, again, you kind of reached back into history to use things that were already there and then found the partners who would help you. Without any you know knowledge of the toy business, was it hard to go out there and find toy manufacturers or can you do that kind of research, really narrow it down, and once you get going, to learn more and more about the industry?
0: It was a little bit challenging. I think a lot of it though has to do with trust and trusting the people that you're reaching out to and just sort of hoping that they don't take your designs and run with it, you know? Um, I think that was the most challenging part. I, I sort of treated the whole experience as like building a relationship with someone. You know, you want, I wanted to find somebody who was a good communicator um, and that we would work together in the long run if it did end up taking off.
1: And so I read, too, that you use freelancers to help you with various things. Can you talk about why those relationships were important to you and just getting that work done?
0: Yeah. So there was a point where I actually didn't outsource anything except the website development and photography. And I came to realize the amount of time that it would take me to do all of these small tasks added up to being busy all day, but not getting a ton done in I guess moving the needle forward for nerd bugs. And for that reason, I decided that hiring a freelancer especially for some of the customer service and social media stuff would be a good idea.
1: I think that's great advice that would really resonate with folks who are, you know, starting off like you were. And so when people are looking to hire freelancers, what should they look for? You know, what kind of questions Did you use and what would you recommend others do?
0: The biggest thing that I would say is that I would suggest to get very, very clear and writing down exactly what role and tasks you're looking to hire for. And then having that clarity will not only help you, but it'll help guide you to do the interviews and get quality people that are really excited to work with you. As I sort of mentioned, I used the same general philosophy when I was interviewing people and trying to bring them on board. I sort of based the interview a lot on their personalities and their enthusiasm, and and how excited they would be to learn and grow with Nerdbugs. Like I wanted to help build these relationships within Nerdbugs where it wasn't just a short-term person that I was looking for for like a month or two, but someone that really believed in the mission and like wanted to grow as we grew.
1: And have any of those freelancers turned into more permanent long-term Folks on your team?
0: Actually, most of them. My web developer has been with me since 2018. I hired my first social media slash customer service person about a year ago, and she's still with me. I hired a photographer last year, and she has still been with me for a year. So, I think prioritizing those really good relationships and and sort of making it very clear that you know if it fits in with like whatever endeavor that you're seeking out to pursue that, that's something that's important to you. When I interview people, I normally, that's one of the first things I'll say to them, you know, I'm really looking for someone that can help me long-term.
1: Right. I mean, it turns it from just a ad hoc job and very short-term into a real relationship. So what were some of the mistakes you made along the way? You know, tell us how it was not so bright and shiny the whole time, but things that you learn that would be helpful for others?
0: Yeah. So I have had a few freelancers that I've worked with that haven't worked out. And I sort of used those as a learning experience to teach me what I could do better in vetting out a person and how I could better describe my vision to them to, to make sure that 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 person is someone that I want as a part of my team in the long term. You know, with my current team, I to I have a really, really small team, but I try to meet with my freelancers about once a week when it's possible and check in with, you know, what's working, what's not working and any issues and concerns that they may be having. I also try to talk to them to see if they're actually enjoying their role Um, and if there's anything else that they feel like that they could be doing to make their role um, on our team a little bit more meaningful. I don't want them to think that, oh, this is just a job and it's boring and I just have to check off these things from my list. I I want them to feel like they're really part of a team and what they say matters and, and it could make an impact.
1: I think that's great advice really for any manager in any business is to take that time and really understand the employees ongoing aspirations and how you can help them and just a, a longer term relationship as you said. So Nerdbugs has received so much positive feedback. You were a finalist for Amazon's Women Owned Small Business of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. What is it like to
0: see so much
1: just great reception already and success for the business?
0: That contest in specific, you know, that I was a finalist, I think a year after I launched. And at that time, one of the things that I really did was adopt this mentality of why not? And let me explain that. So I would apply for these things that I felt like maybe I'm not qualified for, but why not me? Why wouldn't they pick me? I have a great, great brand. I have a great story. It has a lot of meaningful impact. Any of these like opportunities that would come towards me, whether it was an email from Amazon, encourage, you know, that gets blasted out saying, hey, we have this small business contest. You should apply. I would just go ahead and apply for those uh, opportunities and doing that one thing and not having any expectations, but just like putting yourself out there has just ended up opening so many doors. I didn't end up winning but i ended up building these relationships with people at the amazon small business team and they've gotten to know me and they often reach out when they have women's own small business promotions and that sort of thing and and i think that it's just something that i could have never had imagined when i first launch to be able to partner with companies like Amazon or even Chase.
1: I love that you found some benefits there regardless of winning or not. So one thing that you've talked about is how you try to run the company with integrity, particularly around customer service, and probably your other job as a physician uh, really lends itself toward that. So why is that a priority for you? Would just love to hear you describe it as as why that's so important.
0: So many of the customers that end up purchasing the plushies have these incredible stories. And as I sort of mentioned before, most often they're gifted to people that are either sick in the hospital or post-surgery. And to know that they purchased the Nerd Bugs plushie to help brighten up someone's day or just help them cope, it's just I feel like it's just such a gift. I think that it is just in such a meaningful gift. And I think that we have a really incredible opportunity to have some meaningful impact on someone's life. And I sort of kept that in mind when we're communicating with our customers, whether it's Via social media or just like responding to emails, you know, I want them when they receive the plushies to sort of just be blown away by the impact that it has on their life or someone else's life.
1: You know, hearing you describe that, it's not only the actual toy itself that's so exciting to get. But that experience, the emotional experience of thinking about that and the person you're gifting these things to really also seems just as much a part of it as a toy. So I really appreciate how you're talking about that and how you're thinking about that whole experience from end to end. Would love to ask you what? the pandemic has done to the business, both good and bad, you know, whether you saw a drop in sales, but whether you think that it also made people, you know, more focused on their health and their bodies, whether there was also an upside, if you, if you saw the downside.
0: So COVID has definitely had a massive impact in both regards, actually. So I'm kind of glad that you, you brought that up. When COVID first hit stateside, I had a massive loss in sales initially, most of our sales had come from amazon but because of the shift and amazon prioritizing essential items our sales had plummeted about 80 to 90%. i knew that although it was a massive impact in a way and i don't want to sound defeated but i defeatist but i i accepted that there was nothing that i could do to change what was happening. And I sort of just accepted the fact that this was a temporary reality and this was going to be a massive financial setback, but I didn't have to make this a massive personal setback. And even as my financial resources weren't as robust, I thought that I could really take this opportunity to learn and grow and teach myself things that I didn't know. So I spent a lot of time during COVID to teach myself social media strategy and how I could build a really connected community. And I think people are more curious about the the human body, and I'm hoping that we can keep that excitement and energy and momentum of learning going. You know, I think that we have a really neat opportunity to take this moment and not only teach people about you know, how your body works, different medical conditions that it can occur within your body, but I'm really hoping to take also this moment in that sense of awareness and also trying to see if we can help reduce stigma around certain types of medical conditions.
1: Listen, I think you could take this in so many places. Maybe there's an mRNA nerd bug in your future.
0: I have gotten a lot of requests for that during when COVID first came stateside. I got a lot of requests for like you know creating the COVID virus, and I, I think don't get me wrong, I think it would be really neat. I think some people would love it, but I think at the time I was like I didn't want to do something that could be distasteful, so I didn't do it.
1: Yeah, I would say no to the virus. Yes to a vaccine, but no, no to the virus itself. So when you see children get a gift, a nerd bug toy, you know, tell us about their reaction when they're seeing what it is and understanding that it really represents something inside their own bodies.
0: I get so excited when kids get gifted these plushies. If you follow us on social media, especially on Instagram, we have tons of photos and videos that people send in of their their kid that's, you know, Post heart surgery, that, that has gotten the heart plushy, and it's just so heartwarming that that gift is meaningful to not only the kids but also the parents. And my hope is that, like when the kids get gifted with um, one of the nerd bugs, I hope that it that they become inspired. You know that they become inspired to learn about science and how amazing and intricate your body really is. And I hope that they are inspired not only to learn about the body but also learn about how to care for their body.
1: So in addition to perhaps more new nerd bugs themselves like new toys, do you see growing the company in any other ways? You know, what are your other long-term goals?
0: I have so many tricks up my sleeve, you have no idea. <laughs> but some of the the main things that I'm really looking forward to expanding on one of the big ones is I had mentioned I had written this children's book and that was a long time ago and then what it happened was I actually took the book down because then there was more plushies than the characters in the book. So now I'm in the process of redoing the book to include more of the plushies. And I'd really also like to take um, and create animated shorts. If you check out our Instagram, we have these short little animated videos, but they're mostly to create a laugh and get people, you know, to chuckle about these I don't know, little memes that we've sort of adapted into nerd bugs. And some of the other things are to really focus on some medical partnerships. So recently we've partnered with the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation to donate a portion of our proceeds and I'd really love to be more involved in like in-person events when things open back up with them. We're also looking to see if we can partner with other organizations. You know, we have this loose partnership with the American Lung Association where they use our nerd bugs, plush lungs in part of their social media campaigns to teach about lung health, asthma, smoking, vaping, that sort of thing. So those are some of the main things that I'm hoping to do this year.
1: Wow, that is itself a full-time job. So I'm sort of left thinking, how do you divide your time and actually get the business done and still be a practicing physician? I mean, it's amazing. Do you have more than 24 hours in your day because I need to know how it all gets done.
0: It's very hard. And also, I definitely want to make it clear. I definitely don't do this by myself. I have an amazing small team that really helps a lot. And so I credit a lot of that to them and I also credit a lot to my family who helps pick up some of the slack when I'm not able to do things like cook a meal at home every night. You know, my husband sort of really takes on a lot of these roles. I just am very creative (laughs) with my my time, my calendars, my planners. I don't think I could live without them. You know, today, for example, I have time to work on Nerd Bugs this morning and then in about an hour or so, I have clinic in the afternoon. And so a a lot of my week is split up with, nerd bugs part of the day and then clinic the other part of the day one of the things that I am really working with is balancing some of these things because it's definitely not hard when I first started you know you have this like fire inside you where you're like okay I'm just gonna make it happen so before work you know wake up at ungodly hours, go to work, come home, and then after work. And then this is when I was working full time. And slowly I've started to scale back to have a little bit more balance. But my goal would be to really set more boundaries with myself. So I'm not working after 6 p.m. or on the weekends because I do firmly believe that like, what's the point of overloading your schedule when you don't get to enjoy time with the people that you love the most?
1: I very much, you know, adhere to that philosophy. So thank you for that. Um, And so when you do find yourself really running at full speed, how do you recharge? What are the things that you do to make sure that you don't burn out?
0: This is something that's still a work in progress. And I think that like many people, the pandemic hasn't really helped, right? So I we can't go anywhere. And so as a default, I would often find myself being like, well, I can't go anywhere, can't really do anything else. So I might as well be working at all hours of the day. And, and it was really hard to create those boundaries and disconnect. And one of the things that I've sort of try to do a little bit more these days is when my schedule allows, I try to take online meetings and go for a walk. And I think one of the other things that I've been really trying to prioritize is to nourish myself, whether it's like mentally or physically or spiritually, finding these like pockets of time just to be mindful, whether it's like I'm cooking or cleaning or just try to be fully present in in what I'm doing. I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but I've noticed on the days where I skip out on those things, something just feels that that feeling of overwhelm and like, oh my gosh, this to-do list is just not going to go away.
1: Well, thank you for that. I think those are really great reminders and, and easy to do, right? We can all look to do some of these things in the course of our day. Well, Ronek, thank you so much for joining us. It is so great to hear about the business and how you're expanding it. And we really wish you the best and we'll keep looking for these really awesome toys that bring so much joy to people.
0: Thank you so, so much for having me. It was a delight to be here.
1: Thank you for joining my conversation with Dr. Ronek Mehta. I'm truly in awe at how much she's able to accomplish. And I hope her message of why not me inspires you to go after your dreams. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For JPMorgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A. is a member of the FDIC.